This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 202. There's a lot of people out there that are very successful in this business and they've done it in a short amount of time. Don't fall for that. You know, I'm not, no. and I, I, hey, I'm not, I'm not telling you don't set your goals really high either, but do your first deal and learn from it. Ask yourself the whole way through what's working, what's not working, and what can improve because that's going to make your next deal and every deal after that so much more successful. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. There you go. Here with my co host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, man? No, not much. Just having a pleasant Thanksgiving afternoon right now. It's not really Thanksgiving, but this episode comes out on Thanksgiving. And, uh, it does. I'm hanging yeah. with my family, eating turkey, getting chubby. You know. Hey, Brandon. Nice and fat. What? Not, not, no change there. No um, change hey, there. Brandon. What's up? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. I'm very, very thankful. I said this in the show, actually, the recording later you guys will hear. But, you know, I'm super, super thankful for bigger pockets. Like, I, I almost everything that I have in my life, like, that's good. I mean, besides, like, my daughter. But, you know, like, like, like my properties and my house and all that. Like, so much of it is because of what you built here. So thank you, Josh, and thank you, bigger pockets. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool, dude. That's yeah. uh, that's very nice. I'm actually, you know, I'm you humbled touched? by. Are you it. crying? Are you crying? No, but I bet you. Yeah. I mean, like, how many millions of people out there have had their lives changed by bigger pockets, right? I mean, like, like they have more income, they have more freedom, they have more time with their family. You know, I bet it's millions of people have been touched, and uh, you know, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. Well, thank you, thank yeah. you, and and thank you for being awesome. You're, you're welcome. You're yeah. awesome. It's I just mean, natural. You know. It just comes naturally to me. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, hey, man, it is not yet Thanksgiving, and I know your little girl is sick, and so I do hope she yeah. feels better. But she's getting, uh, she's uh, as at the time we are recording this. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You guys, we have a really, really great show today. I know we say that a lot. Um, in fact, most of our shows are really great. This show, I don't know, once in a while you have those shows that you're like, ah, oh, it just feels really good. Something it about does. it. Yep connects to you. And, and this one really worked for me. I, uh, this guy is awesome, local Denver guy, and you know, really just kind of scaled up his business and is working on some big multifamily now and, and has done lots of other stuff. It's great. I mean, lots of really good information that I think a lot of people may never have heard before. Yeah. We talk about you know a source of funding, a type of funding that we've never covered on the podcast. We, we, we talk about lots of really cool things. So definitely stay tuned. Let's get into this thing though, right? Before we do, let's get to some of the details. First, we've got our Tip. All right, today's quick tip is only relevant if you're listening to this, uh, you know, the week, the weekend that this podcast comes out, but I'll say it anyway. We are actually having a sale on books this weekend because we are such a big believer here at Bigger Pockets in reading. And so we're, uh, for what's it, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, we're having a 20% off sale on all books on Bigger Pockets. If you go to biggerpockets.com slash bookstore, you can find up all of our books there and uh, you can get 20% off. But you had to use the coupon code GIVETHANKS2016. All capitals, no spaces. It's easy. Give Thanks 2016 will get you 20% off any book package sold on Bigger Pockets. So there's your quick nice. tip. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Great, 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 quick tip. Cool. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. All right, guys. This is show 202 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show202. Today's guest, Mark Walker, real estate investor in the, what is it, Longmont area of Colorado. So it's it's like a little little city north of Denver, about 20, 30 minutes away. And yeah, Mark has done everything from single families. He's done townhouses, uh, buy and hold. He's done a little bit of developing. And his story is great because he's this guy who's kind of, he scaled up his business. He's actually scaled it to the point where he can quit his job. He eventually quit his job and now is living off of the passive income derived from his real estate portfolio, working a few hours a week. I mean, you know, he's got the quote unquote dream, right? So he's a great guy to learn from. Yeah. He's very well-spoken and extremely intelligent. And I thought it was a great show. So let's bring him on. Let's do this. All right, Mark, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. 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 So you are, uh, I'm getting ganged up on today because both you guys are Denver guys or at least Colorado yeah, guys, buddy. Though, right? So what, where are you? He's, where do you he live? lives in our ugly stepchild. Ugly stepchild of Longmont, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I live up here in, uh, we call it Long Tucky, uh, we've, or we've earned the name. But <laughs> nice. yeah, I live in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, it's just uh, north of Denver, borders Boulder, which everyone knows Boulder. It's like a half it's like hour a away. Cool town, right? So yeah. But yeah, we're a bedroom community up here. Lived up here for oh, about uh, 15 years now, and we're having our second summer. It's it's literally like 75 degrees out right now. That's so. awesome. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Last last day of summer, man. Last day of summer. It's November. What are, what are we in? November 16th. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you guys are you guys are nuts. It's uh, at least I have sun today. The first time in a few weeks out here in Washington, but. Where, like, let's talk about your investing because we're here to talk about that, not Longmont, apparently. So, sure. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> uh, by the way, Longmont is also where Mindy Jensen, who is the Bigger Pockets community manager, actually lives in Longmont. So, <laughs> shout out to Mindy. Yeah. And Mr. Money Mustache apparently lives there as well. So, there's all sorts of people who live there. All right. So, anyway, real estate, that's what we're talking about. How did you get started with the whole real estate game? Oh, boy. Well, I started as early as 2004. I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, right, 80% of the people that come on your show have read that book, and that's what inspired them. I bought a duplex in South Denver, and that first deal had a 36.5% cash on cash return in the first year. Whoa. Whoa. You, You know, yeah. I mean, when you do that as your first deal, it just lights you on fire. Yeah. And so I owned that deal for about a year or two. And then I sold it with the intent to 1031 exchange into something else. Uh, I actually ended up sitting the next few years out, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we we know what happened, yeah. right? And in about 2010, I started networking again. I met a general contractor and we decided to buy a single family house in a real trendy part of Denver. It's called the the West Highlands. And we scraped that house and we raised up a residential duplex, three stories in its place. We sold off each side. We ended up doing one more of those just down the street on the Berkeley side, another trendy part of Denver. Then after that, that's when I started buying rental properties. So did the development stuff. It was a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. But I really wanted to start building passive income. Sure. And so it was in 2011, I started buying a whole bunch of single family properties, I bought a lot of townhomes and condos. Now, was this, was this all in Denver or are you buying all over the country or where, where are you buying at? At the time, I was just buying in Denver. 
Yep. Now, now that so. seems weird to me because you know a lot of people tell me, oh, I, you can't invest in Denver. It's too expensive. There's never cash flow. It's impossible. I'm going to sit down and watch Dance with the Stars instead, right? Like, I mean, like everyone's got their reason why they can't. With that show, well, <laughs> you know. First of all, first of all, Brandon, let's let's set something straight. Sure. I don't ever watch Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> okay. Ever. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Right. I was so, worried, you know. Uh, you kind of look like the kind of guy who does, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and I have no rhythm at all. Okay, okay just good. ask my wife. But, all right, good. You know, back to real estate. Let's keep in mind the timing. You know, this was 2011. I mean, sure. properties were a dime a dozen here in Denver. Yeah. Literally, what we're hearing Still that's cheap. going on in Denver right now it is a phenomenon that probably started about two years ago. It yeah. just the market just flipped, and now we're being compared to coastal cities like San Francisco. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So. This was 2011, and and I was buying up properties, you know, for you know a dime a dozen at the time, and I wouldn't even touch anything that didn't pencil for a 20 percent or greater cash on cash return in the first year. Is that with and property management or without? Were you? Planning? It was with property management. Wow. That was something too that we learned when we owned the duplex in 2004. We we self managed, and we we realized then we did not want to have anything to do with property management after that. Why is yeah. that? Let's talk about that. Like, why well, did you go that route? You know, and, and I'm not going to knock because there's some people that do self-manage and they're incredibly good at it and successful. It's not that I don't believe I can be successful, but it, it, it's just something that I think it takes a special person to be a really effective property manager to enforce your lease yeah. You know, and and be that no person sometimes. I'm a yes man. You know, yeah. I'm 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 the guy that likes to say yes. I, I don't like saying hey, no. Mark, I, I let somebody else do that for can me. Can I have some money? <laughs> mm-hmm. How much, Josh? How much do you need? <laughs> I love this yes man. The question the question is is what interest rate I'm gonna give it to you at. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely better. you can have money. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Okay, I, so you just felt like you it, it wasn't your thing. You needed somebody to step in, which is fine. I yeah, mean, that's like great. A lot of people should never be managing their own property, even if they want to. They shouldn't be. You know, if you can't enforce the lease, if you can't hold people to the fire, or if you don't if, want to, because or if you don't want yeah. to, or if like that stuff stresses yep. you out and drives you nuts, like hire somebody to do it. Yep. That's that's what their I job don't. is, right? I would not do it if it weren't for my wife. Like my wife can do that. She's that lady. I'm not that guy. Like I'm just like you, yeah, probably, I, Mark. I'm, I want to say yes. To I, I get that. I get that sense from you, Josh, <laughs> that that your wife does, you know, uh, you know, control the relationship. So wow, <laughs> I just met you, and you're an <laughs> asshole, but I like you. <laughs> I love it. All right, <laughs> let's get let's get back to this thing. All right, so I know you're getting through the story. You talked about buying those single families. Before we keep going, I, I'd like to get back because I had a, a few questions on the very beginning of the story, and then hopefully we could prog- progress forward. Um, so, Rich Dad, you got the duplex in South Denver, the 36% uh, cash on cash. Like, wh- what was that? Was your first deal? So, t- tell us really quickly, like, how did how did that go down? Why, you know, you just read the book and were like, all right, I'm gonna go buy a property, and you found a property, bought it, and that was that. I mean, what what was the the quick and dirty of the story? Yeah, you know, I read so I read the book, which led to me reading several other of the books that were written by the Rich Dad advisors. Yeah. And I just, you know, kept learning, you know, as Robert Kiyosaki puts it, you know, I put a lot of emphasis on my financial IQ. Fortunately, my mother-in-law is a realtor and was at the time as well. And that deal actually was just down the street from where she lived and she saw it hit the market. We went and saw it on the first day, got an offer in and, and, and on the very first day it hit the market and the rest is history. It was a matter of finding the right financing as well. You know, I had been developing a relationship with a, a mortgage guy on the side, and you know, I found the right loan for it at the time. You know, you could get interest-only loans yeah. for residential properties, and that helped obviously play into a thirty-six and a half percent. When I when I started buying rental properties again in two thousand eleven, those types of loans weren't available, at least in the places that I was looking. But wow. I did, you know, thirty-year AMS on the stuff that I bought from 2011 on. But back then, you could get those interest-only loans, and that, that played a big role, too. Can I, cool. Can I ask a couple quick questions just to dive in? For people who are maybe new to this real estate thing, I want to go, dive into a few things you talked about. First of all, you mentioned just the word 30-year AM. What does that mean? 30-year amortization. So basically, uh, you're going to make 360 payments, and every single one of your payments is going to have an interest portion and a principal portion. And after making 360 principal plus interest payments, you're going to be free and clear. 
All right, perfect. And then the next question is cash on cash return. I mean, we don't usually dive into necessarily this, but I want to make sure people who are who, who are c- get confused about that. What does that mean when you say I got a thirty six percent cash on cash return, or I don't buy anything with twenty percent cash on cash return? What does that mean? Good question. You know, the best way that I that I explain it to people is I compare it to dropping your money in a savings account at the bank, right? The same concept, right? If you go put, you know, $100,000 in the bank and they pay you half a percent interest, which seems to be the going rate, that's a good rate right now, you know, you're going to get, you know, what would that be? Would that be 500 bucks? It'd be $500 at half a percent interest per year at the end of the year. Now, by the way, inflation is probably going to wipe that out. But (laughs) at the same time, in 2004, when I bought a property at 36.5%, that would be the equivalent of taking that $100,000 and instead investing a portion of that. And that same $100,000 would get me $36,500 dollars in interest versus the half percent interest at the bank. Same concept, right? However much your capital is, your cash outlay, um, and how much you're getting back in your first year. Perfect. Yeah, that was a great explanation because, yeah, again, I I think a lot of times we take for granted that we just know these terms. And so like I like to sometimes on the show, we break things down a little bit. So very cool. All right, so yeah. you you got the duplex, you you sold that a few years later. You said right, mm-hmm. the, you divided yeah. it up. Actually, you subdivide. I mean, you you separated oh, it and sold it. Condos. No, that was the next one. Or that okay, that was the next, was the next one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those are the development deals in uh, two thousand, uh, you know, ten and two thousand eleven. But and these are your second and third deals, right? Like you you went bought this first duplex and then you went and developed two duplexes. After literally doing one real estate deal. Yes, that's right. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. That's right. So that's that's right. awesome. And you know, I think what what has a lot to do with that, guys, is is knowing the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing the right people to partner with along the way. Obviously, I partnered with a general contractor that had done that before in 2010 when we did those development deals. And and that that was a huge win and and a huge help because he's also the one that introduced me to my banker. That I still, you know, that hold a lot of my loans today. They were a portfolio. They're a portfolio lender here in Colorado, in Denver. It's a a state bank. Many people okay. might have heard of First Bank of Colorado. Nice. And so uh, we all we all know what a portfolio lender is, right? They, you can explain it. You can explain it anyway. If yeah, go for it. Sure, sure. You know, so what I like about portfolio lenders, especially in the residential space, is that they. Also called a, a balance sheet lender. Most lenders are originators of loans. They give you a loan and then they turn around and they sell your loan on the secondary market to Fannie or Freddie. Okay, so when they do that, they've got to check all of the underwriting requirements that Freddie and, Fann- and Fannie have. And so they're going to be more strict. A portfolio lender is still going to probably use, you know, it's not that they're going to be more lenient, but they're going to be able to give you more loans. Um, Fannie and Freddie don't allow you to have more than four, sometimes 10 loans, including your personal residence. So a portfolio lender keeps these loans on their own books. They don't sell your loan on the secondary market after the fact. So in many cases, they're willing to give you more than four or 10 loans. So if you're wanting to build a real estate portfolio, you could save yourself a lot of time and trouble if you just work from a port- with a portfolio lender from the beginning. Yeah, right that's on. great. That's cool. great. Yeah. I, I want to ask a little bit more about the relationship with the GC because you know I love that you come in, you have very limited real estate knowledge at this point. I mean, you've done one deal, which is not a ton. And now you've got a guy that's really experienced. What did this partnership look like? Why did he need you? And, and how did it all work out? He needed me as a money partner. And okay. so uh, I was able to bring the down payment for the construction loan. And, uh, you know, he was able to obviously bring the experience. He was able to bring the lender that was uh, willing and able to do those loans. He had a reputation with them. So that played a huge role as well. And obviously, he brought all the relationships with the contractors and everybody that we needed in order to get that job done. So it was it was a great, you know, combination. And I just took a flat 40% return off of that deal. Um, and okay. there's a million different one on one different ways to structure a deal like that. Sure. But, but that's just the way we chose to structure it. And that's interesting because, you know, it's, it's funny. One of the things we hear a lot is like, oh, well, we were 50-50 partners and you got 40%, which I think it's great. It's better than nothing. You literally had mm-hmm. a experienced guy do this entire build for you. You mm-hmm. just supplied the money. And, you know, you got to see, uh, you know, a piece of the action as a result, which is better than not knowing anything and never doing anything, right? 
and 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 I gained the network as well. Like I said, he's the one that introduced me to the lender that you know holds a lot of the loans for my rental properties. Yep. And that was a portfolio lender. So we, you know, th- then it, then it turns around too. Is that when I started buying the rental properties, I went to that lender and I said, "Hey, do you work with anyone or know anyone in your network that is just a power broker in 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 finding these cash flowing rental deals?" And he says, "Oh yeah, I got the guy for you." Made that introduction, yep. and wow, that was a huge win as well because I. Again, a relationship I still have today, and he brought me a lot of great deals that I ended up buying. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, and I love the yeah. fact that, you know, we talked about that last week, and, you know, the show just came out last week with Justin Stamper, and we talked a lot with him about this concept of, like, just getting out there, talking to people, meeting people, maybe more experienced than you are, and, yep. like, just building the relationships. I mean, if you guys have not listened to that show yet, go back and listen to that show. It's number 201, biggerpockets.com slash 201, show 201. Uh, but uh, anyway, I mean, like, I love that the same story kind of comes this week as well, where get out there, meet people, talk to people, especially rock stars, no other rock stars, right? So you find a That's rock right. star mortgage guy, he's going to know a rock star broker. He's going to know, that guy's going to know a rock star, you know, whatever title guy. And they, they tend to run in circles together. That's why networking is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so after that, you know, I spent about most of my time from 2011 to 2014 just buying tons of rental properties here in the Denver market. And again, this is before the phenomena really started to hit. It was in 2014, I'd say, that the, the market really started going up and getting crazy here. You know, still found deals, though. You know, yeah. uh, deal of a lifetime, you know, comes around all the time. So, yeah. you know, I did those. And it was in 2013, the tail end of 2013, that I ended up uh, doing a, a small multifamily deal. I bought a 12-unit apartment complex. And was that also yeah. in Denver? That was also in Denver, yep. Okay. And that was uh, that was my first introduction to the larger multifamily. When I say larger multifamily, let's define that as anything five units or greater, right? Yep. So I got a commercial loan on that one from the same portfolio lender, by the way. Yep. And really quick for those people listening, yeah. we're defining it differently specifically because, you know, it's really the same managing a five and a four unit, but you can get different financing on, yeah. on five plus, uh, well, four and under than you can five plus, correct? That's right. I, I actually got a commercial loan on that one. So yeah, it was different. And the way they underwrite those types of properties too, when you get a commercial loan is different rather than looking solely to you to cover the debt service, you know, and in your income, they now look at the actual property for the debt service. And so the underwriting process is very different for a commercial loan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. So you bought the 12 unit there. I mean, tell us a little about that. How did you find it? I mean, what did you end up paying for it? Why did you decide to buy it? <laughs> That's a great question. It was in a little bit of a rougher area, this this first uh, 12 unit deal. My property manager wanted to do this deal and uh, we ended up partnering on this one. So this is the first one I partnered with somebody on. Okay. You partnered with your PM on this? Yeah, this was my property oh, manager. Yep. Okay. And so uh, we decided to do it together. And it was, you know, kind of my introduction into multifamily. And, you know, we originally put together a plan to say this is going to be a 10-year hold. And, you know, it had an attractive return. I mean, the, the, it wasn't, it, it didn't pass my 20% cash on cash return sniff test. I'll, I'll tell you that. I think it was more like, you know, 10% or something like that. But I just wanted to, you know, do a bigger deal. I wanted to, to, to dive into this multifamily space and, you know, acquire 12 units at a, at a time, you know, economies of scale. And so we went ahead and bought it with the intent to hold it for 10 years. About a year in, Someone came along completely unsolicited, off market, and offered us a price that was within spitting distance of where we expected to exit in year 10. Oh, nice. So this is where Denver's starting to get pretty crazy. And we thought to ourselves, you know what, bird in hand, let's go ahead and sell it. So we did did go ahead and sell that. And that's when I – and that sold last year in 2015. But let me back up just a little bit because it was in January of 2015 that I escaped the rat race. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that and and ask you, were you still working a job? When did that end, all that? I was. So up until January 2015, everything I had done, I was doing while I was working a full-time job in high tech. Okay. And I did uh, did marketing 
for that high tech company. And by the way, uh, Brandon, I'm about half as good at marketing as you are. Okay. Uh, let's get that straight. <laughs> well, you must be a terrible marketer. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Wait, what? What just Wait, happened? What? 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 Hold on. You want to see how good I am? You want to see how good I am at marketing? You should come to the Bigger Pockets <laughs> webinar next week at biggerpockets.com/webinar. Sign up today. You like that? Oh, fantastic. That's my, that's my marketing skills that right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm nice, pretty good at it. Nicely done. I like it. Uh, like anyway. <laughs> All right, so you quit your job in tech in 2015, and you were financially, quote-unquote, free. I mean, you yeah. worked for yourself, basically, right? I, I was financially free. And, you know, I think it's worth noting here that, you know, even when you do escape the rat race, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just something that I went through. Maybe everybody goes through it. I don't know. But, you know, as I – when I escaped the rat race – my mind had been trained for the 14 years prior to that. I, I worked for that company for 14 years. So for 14 years, I, I knew every two weeks, this money is going to magically appear in my bank account. Yep. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you escape the rat race, no matter how confident you are in that, you still have this little voice in the back of your head you know, that, that's so used to seeing that money magically appear in your bank account. That's a little bit of a mental battle or, or, or yeah. a hump to get over. And I'd say it took me probably six months, maybe even 12 months to get used to that. You know, yeah. so for anybody out there that's, you know, that, that aspires to do that, start preparing yourself now and thinking about that because that's something you just might struggle with. I love that. I yeah. Love that. Hey, can, can I cut back to this um, yeah. PM relationship? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not something that I've heard anyone doing. So I, I was just curious why your PM was it, did he bring the deal and what exactly did that relationship look like? And, you know, I mean, what were your roles, I guess? Yeah. So, uh, well, obviously he wanted to manage the property. So, right. you know, he, he, he managed the property. Uh, at the same time, uh, my property manager, and I love this about, about all the people I work with, he, he's not just a property manager, he's a property owner as well. He's an investor. You know, so, uh, you know, he has the unique ability to see a deal from both sides as an investor and as a property manager. And so, you know, it made sense. It was, it was a, we had already worked together for, oh, I don't know how long we had known each other, probably at least a couple of years we had known each other at that point, respected each other, respected each other's accomplishments. And, you know, there was some synergy in, in what we were wanting yeah. to do. So, you know, the relationship made sense. Cool. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. 
You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So you partnered with the property manager, did this, got out a 12 unit, which I think is awesome. Uh, before yeah. we move on to the, to the next deals that came after that, I want to talk real quick again about the full-time job thing. Like when uh-huh. did you, when did you know it was the right time to quit your job? Like, did you have just, yeah, just enough to pay your bills or were you making more than enough and then some, or like, how, how does a person know now is the right time? Sure, sure. For me, what I did is I set a goal in my head, you know, while I was investing, while I was doing this, I had set this goal in my head that I, I once I hit, you know, X number of dollars per month, and, and by the way, that covered more than my bills, then then that's the time to get out. Now, I'll tell you too, again, I was going through that mental battle, right? Because I was making really good money. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to downplay that in, in my high tech job. I was saying to myself, I might be wanting to go another two years, but the truth is, is that I was starting to get a little jaded, you know, at, at, at my job. You know, I'd been with the same company for 14 years. It's a long and time. Yeah, it, it is a long time, especially by today's standard. You know, so many people, you know, might spend five years, you know, with the company and, and that's considered a long time. Wow, you know, Brandon, and, and, we're getting there. We're tick, tick, tick. I know, we are. <laughs> wow. yeah, five. It's five See years later, here, buddy. Like, oh, is, it four, is it four years coming up here next month or it's, like next it's week? Four or years. Is it, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's four oh, years. Yeah, 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 crazy. Yeah. Yes. Please don't go. <laughs> okay. I'm a little domestic here. I'm not, okay. le- I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Sheesh. Right. Don't leave me, please. <laughs> All right. So you got yeah, so 14 years, getting a little bit jaded. I was getting yeah. a little bit jaded. You know, it was it was time. You know, and so I went ahead and I uh, I decided to you know jump the jump the rat race. And at the same time too, I, I was really fortunate because I have a cousin who's a 30 year veteran in multifamily oh, nice. and he doesn't just, I mean, he does the really big stuff and you know, he won't even look at anything less than hundred units. Wow. And so, you know, over the years, you know, it turns out he had moved to Colorado a few years, you know, probably around like 2011, 2012, I can't remember. And so we'd get together for lunch, you know, maybe every six months or so we'd keep in contact. We kind of talk about things we were working on and, and doing. And so it was so funny because he called me, I remember it was a, it was a morning in like maybe October or November of 2014. And he calls me up and he's just like, well, how, how are things going? How's work? And, and I just remember saying to him, well, there, it's, it's, it's just not fun anymore. You know? And, 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 you know, I was at this point, I was looking at how quickly my real estate business was growing and how quickly I was able to make decisions with the help of my, you know, partners, like my lender and my property manager and, you know, my insurance agent and stuff like that. And, and, and the fruit that that was bearing. And then I was comparing that to this full-time job that I had where everyone had the power to say no, but nobody had the power to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just frustrated and and before I could even finish my sentence, he says, well, why don't you come job shadow me? Now, that's a great opportunity. Now, yeah, I'll tell awesome. that to, to anybody listening to this. You know, if you ever have an opportunity like that to go job shadow with a 30-year veteran, whether it be a family member or a non-family member, boy, you really have to consider, you know, jumping on that opportunity. And so when I left the rat race in January of 2015. You sat I around went, and watched Dance with the Stars. <laughs> yeah, I watched I watched my cousin dance around some okay. of the biggest multifamily deals. And 
I'll tell you what, uh, it's a completely different ball game. Multifamily cool. is. And so at this point, you know, so now we're, so now we're into 2015, right? And my, my journey is essentially looks like playing the game cash flow, right? Yep. You start doing small deals and you start doing bigger and bigger until you start, you graduate into doing big deals, right? So here I have, I have, I have no job. I'm financially free, but now what? After spending about nine months job shadowing him, I made an offer on a 64-unit apartment complex in Irving, Texas. Now, so I've I've gone to Irving now. I've gone to Texas because Colorado's gotten is is getting really heated up and crazy. It's a totally a seller's market, and I end up acquiring this 64-unit apartment complex in uh, in Texas in December of 20 of 2015. Okay. So and then, now was that through your, your, what was it, cousin or uncle that you found it or you found it on your own? You know, actually, so he owns a management company in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and so they manage it. And so, yes, it was while I was job shadowing my cousin that I stumbled across this opportunity. Got it. Okay. So I, I went through the, you know, went, that was my first time doing a, a larger deal. I was able to get agency debt. On that, so we talked a little bit earlier about commercial loans. Uh, that was with a that was with a bank. Okay, agency debt is uh, is is even very different, which you can get on larger multifamily properties. The loan is non recourse. What I mean by that is they uh, they they have more stringent underwriting requirements. But if you do qualify and you get these loans and something goes wrong, they won't come after you personally. Unless, of course, there's some bad boy carve outs like fraud or something like that. Yeah. But these types of these types of loans have very attractive terms. But as I mentioned, they're very difficult to get. There's three things that they look at. One, they look at your experience, and that's probably one of the, you know, most important. That's probably fifty percent of of the decision right there is is your experience. So, everything leading up to this moment in time contributed to me being able to get that agency loan. Yeah. And also owning the 12 unit apartment complex and successfully exiting with a big fat gain on that property, you know, played a big role as well. The second thing that they look at is your net worth. They want that. They typically want that to be equal to or greater than the loan amount. And then thirdly, they want you to look at your post-close liquidity. Now notice I never mentioned anything about having a job or anything like that. So rather than looking to me, to um, cover the debt service, me and my job to cover the the the, the payment. They look to the property. Yep. They underwrited the property, make sure it had enough net operating income to cover the debt payments. Perfect, perfect. And and was that through contacts or how did you end up getting that agency debt? Was it through a traditional portfolio bank, commercial bank? What what did that look like? Yeah, I went through a loan broker down in Texas. And I'd say that this particular one is really good at helping people do their first uh, agency debt deal. Got it. And so that was a huge, and that of course was a relationship that my cousin, you know, had yeah. that, that I, I made that connection, you know, through through him and his business dealings. Back so to relationships, was, right? Yeah, it's it's just huge. Yeah. So so yeah, I did that, and my that was a value add, uh, a C class apartment complex. So I spent first half of this year renovating that property. So I uh, originally set out to renovate about half of the units uh, in that 64 unit property. Did some uh, exterior upgrades as well. You know, landscaping, added a you know picnic area. You know, upgraded the pool and you know uh, upgraded the office and and stuff like that. And you know, I'm happy to say that that deal, uh, knock on wood, I originally set out to raise the rents to about a dollar a square foot by the end of this year, by the end of 2016. Right now, I'm sitting at a dollar eight a square foot in place, nice. and I have a path to get to about a dollar uh, twelve a square foot uh, by possibly by the end of the year. So awesome. uh, it's 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 just. It's been a great first larger multifamily deal, and it's been a great experience. And uh, now I'm looking for the next one. So, so let, let's let's dive in a little bit more on this thing. So, what did, what did you pay for the property? I paid two point six two five million dollars. Two point six two five. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And go ahead, sorry. Yeah, then uh, then the CapEx budget was uh, $325,000. Okay. And then, um, you know, I'll tell you, as it went for the loan, the loan uh, allowed me to do loan-to-cost. So there's loan-to-value and there's loan-to-cost. Can you explain the difference? Yeah, loan-to-value only lets you borrow on the acquisition price of the property. Loan to cost allows me to borrow on the acquisition price of the property plus the renovation budget for the property. The other advantage with the agency debt is they let me roll 3% in for soft costs. So on a property that I acquired for $2.625 million, my loan was actually $2,418,000. Oh, wow. So it's almost like you borrowed... I mean, you, it's basically like nothing down almost, but I mean, obviously you put some into it, but it, it, it feels like yeah. you got a hundred percent of the purchase price. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, almost, yeah. you know, and so there was a 200 yeah, almost, K difference. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So they, they took, they shaved off 325,000 at closing and they put that into an escrow account. And that was, and that over the next six months I drew against to pay for my renovation. Hey, when you say soft costs, what do you mean by that? Three percent for soft costs? Oh, it could be it could be legal. Uh, it's your uh, any you know any additional title costs. You know your loan origination fees. You know things like that. Okay, Got it. so you bought for two point six million, roughly. You put in three hundred thousand mm-hmm. in capex. What would you say it's worth, uh, like today, or what? What do you plan to exit at uh, at some point? Like what's what's the final? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's worth. You know, it's it. I, Actually, my exit plan, I should probably have it in front of me, but you know, I'd like to exit about mid-threes wow. you know, on it. Um, I've modeled it on a five-year hold, okay. um, and on the five-year hold, the first year, I projected a, about an 11% cash-on-cash return, and then the internal rate of return, which takes you know five years into account, yeah. is the, the, the pro- at the property level would be um, high 20s wow. um, in terms of an IRR. So, so can you can you explain real quick? This is a little bit more complicated topic, but I think it would be kind of cool to go into. What is the difference when you're talking about a cash on cash return versus the IRR or like an overall return? Great question. Yeah. And why yeah. is it so, so different? Cash, cash on cash return is how much money is coming back to you um, from operations of the property. You don't recognize your internal rate of return until you actually exit the property. I'd say when your investment's done, you basically look at all the cash flow you got off the property, plus any capital gain you had after you sold it. You factor all that in and you basically know what your total return was, your annual return, what your return would be over that period of time on an annual basis. Hmm. I don't think I explained that very well. No, I think it was great. Okay. Yeah, it it combines in the equity growth, the loan getting paid down over time. It combines all those things into one, a nice number, internal rate of return. Yeah, and it's, it's a more complicated number that not a lot of like you don't usually use on like a single family house. People don't usually care about that right. on on smaller deals, but on the bigger deals, it matters quite a bit. Especially if you're raising money and you got to tell your yep. investors what do you expect to get over the next five years. That can right. come in really handy. So yeah, 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 fantastic, absolutely. And and what was also unique about that deal is that was my very first syndication as well. I brought about thirty five percent of the money to take that deal down. And then the other 65% came from two other investors. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you well, have to do like a dive in on that? Man, you, you keep making the show more and more complicated. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just that kind of guy. Explain, yeah. explain what a syndication is because you can't just go and get two buddies and say, hey, we're all going to plow in a hundred grand and um, into a property without having lots of legal around it, right? That's kind of what the syndication is. Yeah, yeah, lots of legal is an understatement, you know, I'd say. Yeah, so the two guys that, fortunately, the two guys that came in as investors on this, I already had an existing relationship with on. So that was a little, made it a little bit easier, right? Yeah. From a securities, you know, law standpoint and stuff like that. Yeah, you're not um, out there putting an ad in the New York Times saying I'm trying to raise money for this deal, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And if I was going to do that, I'd look to, to get your help to do that because you're a marketing expert. <laughs> I'm a marketing uh, expert. I, I, you know, <laughs> you might want to find somebody else. <laughs> well, you don't trust me to put an ad in the New York Times? Come on, Josh. Give me that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put a front yes. page ad Looking for bigger pockets. For, hey, hey, Saka, get your money here. <laughs> no, I would just put on the front page of the New York Times that there's a bigger pockets webinar coming up this coming Wednesday, and you can sign uh, up at biggerpockets.com slash webinar. Josh Dorkin's yeah, phone number. And here's Josh's phone number. All right, yeah. moving on. So okay. you, you, you got the, yeah. the paperwork, the legal, you got it all worked out. Yeah. 
so yeah, we we obviously we formed a separate entity, okay. uh, and we obviously had a operating agreement that we had to uh, you know agree on and and all that stuff. So there was quite a bit of legal work as well as too when you do a larger multifamily deal too. Uh, you know, your, your loan documents and, you know, your, you know, you oftentimes have an attorney drafted contract for the purchase of the property as well. So there's a lot more legal involved in that. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a much more complicated transaction. Um, really quickly, and then we're going to try and burn through the rest of these questions since we're running a little long on, on time here. Um, what, all in all, what, what do you think the legal cost on, um, soup to nuts to get this property purchased. So like what, what did the syndication cost you from a legal standpoint? Give or take. Okay. Mine's probably not the best example because I'm sparing you some of the details to be quite honest with you that made this transaction even more complicated. Sure. So mine's, mine's not the best example, That's okay. Um, but I spent, I spent about 20,000 bucks. 20K. And that was, that was definitely on the high end. Um, If you're doing a typical multifamily transaction, anybody that's interested, uh, when you talk with your attorney, I would um, strongly encourage you to see if you could flat fee it. Uh, yeah. What I mean by flat fee is agree with the attorney up front that they're going to give you full representation from the, you know, the the attorney drafted contract representation there to your uh, your operating agreement, you know, your private placement memorandum. If you have to end up doing that for your syndication, just for one flat fee. I love it. That's uh, a great idea. Be, because you know it, it'll probably save you money in the long run, especially if it's your first deal. You're probably going to have a lot more questions, you know, along the way, and you're probably going to be tugging on that attorney's time a lot more than than, yeah. than normal. Yeah. So perfect. So, how much month are you spending on this property? How much time are you spending every month on that particular property? And then, how much time do you think you're spending overall on your business at this point? On this particular property, well, when I was renovating it, I was spending a lot more time. You know, I was going out to Texas once or twice a month. I was spending most of my time during the week, I'd say probably 20 hours a week, you know, talking with contractors and, you know, overseeing that renovation. Now I'd say I'm probably spending about an hour or two a week um, mm-hmm. on that property because the renovation's done. It's pretty much shifting into autopilot mode at this point with the management company. Okay. Gotcha. And overall on your business? Overall on my business, uh, you know, because I have professional man- property management and all of that stuff, I really probably wouldn't even have to get out of bed in the morning if I didn't want to. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good place to there be. You go. <laughs> it is a good place you to be. You can watch Dancing with the Stars all I'm day long. Bum. You can just, yeah. you can just wow. DVR Somebody's that show. Somebody's obsessed here. Did, <laughs> Mark, did you notice? I mean, like, what's going on there, Brandon? <laughs> I don't think is, I've ever seen it up I, I either I, need to check out Dancing with the Stars or you I might. need to, like, you know, pray for Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the one thing that I do still, you know, do a lot of when it comes to my um, residential portfolio is I do pull all that, st- the data from my management company into QuickBooks. So I do, you know, still do my own books per se. I've put some things in place systematically that, you know, make that a lot easier, but I still do, you know, a lot of my own bookkeeping outside of the day-to-day property management, you know, stuff. And I don't know, that's probably a couple hours a week. So all right. Well, my last, my last question in in related to this property, the 64 unit, what has surprised you as being easier than you thought, like as you got into it and what's been more difficult than you thought it would be going into it? Like looking back at the whole thing. Yeah, I guess I'll start with I guess I'll start with what's been more difficult, and that is one thing that took me by surprise was the city. Uh, and I think that you know now now that I've been through the process and I can give some advice on the matter, I'd say that if you acquire a multifamily property, have a have an expectation that you're going to be partnering with the city to make that property as awesome as you possibly can. And you know they're gonna they're gonna require you to do that anyway. So there's city inspections that they do in Texas. It's a little different than Colorado when a property trades hands you have to get a new certificate of occupancy. Now that's that's unique. Interesting. Yeah. In in Colorado you get a CO when you build the property and that's it. In in Texas every single time the property trades hands, you've got to get a new CO and that's when the city comes in and says, "Okay, I want you to fix this and this and this and this." And that may be in your capex budget that you've already put together and it may not. I'll give you an example. I wasn't planning to put $15,000 into the pool. 
<laughs> the pool seemed fine to me. It yeah. passed inspection. There was nothing wrong with the pool, but they decided they wanted me to replaster the pool. Which, of oh. course, once you replaster the pool and you start peeling back the onion, you know, something that maybe costs, you know, five, six thousand dollars turned into about fifteen thousand bucks. This so, was San Francisco, right? <laughs> no, this was. <laughs> Could have been, could have been. This was Texas. <laughs> okay, so you know, I mean, that yeah. that's that sounds like a, a a law you'd find out in in a place like San Francisco, but yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, well, at least not a law, but the the type of uh, suggestion, I guess. Uh, you know, particularly given that it had a past inspection already, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What so, what about the easier part? So the easier parts. What has been really easy? Well, I'd just say that in general, once you're once you're past your renovation, you've got that property, you know, uh, stabilized. Then I'd say you can shift it over to autopilot, give it to the management company, and let them do their thing. You know, of course, that assumes that you have a good manager in place and that they have good systems uh, in place on their end as well. But you know, that is a nice, pleasant surprise. You know, for any multifamily owner, once you've got that property stabilized. It can just go to autopilot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, cool. cool. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's kind of close up this part of the show and move on to the next, which we lovingly call our fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, let's get to today's fire round, which of course is the questions that come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which our listeners can get to and interact with for free at biggerpockets.com/forums. All right, so let's get to these questions. Question number one from the Bigger Pockets forums. I think I want to invest in a townhome. Is that easier or harder to invest in the normal single family houses? And I don't know if you've done townhomes, but uh, I have. Okay, so yeah, do you think it's easier I've, I've or harder? A, yeah, I've done a number of townhomes, and I think they're easier. And that's because you know, oftentimes in the townhome, you've got a homeowners association in play. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this caveat in there. As long as you've got a good HOA. You know, then uh, you actually have a partner in the deal uh, as well because, you know, they handle everything for you exterior wise. You know, they mow the lawns, they do landscaping, they take care of the roof if there's something wrong with the roof. You know, all you really need to worry about with a townhome typically is what's inside your own four walls. And so I love that about townhomes. There's also one other thing I love about townhomes and condos. The post tax return is typically higher on condos and townhomes than it would be on a single family home. Here's why. We all know about depreciation, right? What you can, you know, you can depreciate, you know, your acquisition price or a portion of your acquisition price on your taxes. Well, you can only depreciate the cost of your building. So with a condo or a townhome, there's typically less land associated with the acquisition price of your property. So you can, on a percentage basis, you can depreciate more. So your post-tax return is typically going to be better on a townhome oh, or a condo. Look at that. Great feedback. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, didn't know that. Very cool. Cool. I never really thought about it. So cool. Yeah, crazy. All right, next question. I'm just getting started. Should I begin with a 20 unit that came on the market in my area or do something else? Wait. Yeah, you know, I think as long as you're financially, you know, educated, you know, I'd say if the numbers work on the 20 unit, go for it. You know, and uh, if you've got the right lender in place, and I, I think the big caveat there is as long as it underwrites and makes sense and you have a plan in place, there, there's no reason to wait. Do it. What are you waiting for? There you go. Cool. Take action. Make it yep. massive, right? Ab- absolutely. And I have a something I say all the time, you know, it's never stop learning. Learning leads to action and action is what leads to success. So there I like you it. go. I like it. Fancy. It's a very tweetable uh, quote right there. I like it. All right. There number, you go. number three. I need to get a Twitter account. Yes. You got to get a Twitter account. Come on. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Number three. What should I look for in my – I like this question. What should I look for in my city? This is from a newbie. What should I look for? Like should I look for an up-and-coming neighborhood or like a trendy neighborhood or just a blue-collar neighborhood? I'm just not sure where to begin looking to pick my neighborhood. Oh boy. Um, well, I'd look for housing shortages, <laughs> you know, but uh, I love C-class deals, you know, or value add deals, deals where you can go in, you can do some improvements and then raise your rents, you know, or, yeah. you know, sell for more. So those are the types of deals that I look for in my neighborhood. You know, I like C-class deals too, because they appeal to working people, you know, and they're always looking for uh, affordable housing and great, awesome places to live. So, you know, value add deals typically, you know, really resonate with them. So th- that's that's what I look for. And like I said, look in areas where, you know, there's a housing shortage, you know, because that's going to up your chances of, you know, getting it rented quickly or even selling it quickly if that's your exit strategy. I, I tend to avoid 
you know, bad areas, but, uh, I look for those C-class deals in a B-class area, as I say, but you know, I'm not saying C-class areas are bad either, you know, but, but that's just me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Last question. What's a good goal for me to have for my first year as a real estate investor? What's reasonable? Just do a deal, you know, and learn from the experience. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are very successful in this business and they've done it in a short amount of time. Don't fall for that. You know, I'm not, no. and, 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 hey, I'm not, I'm not telling you don't set your goals really high either, you yeah. know, but, but do your first deal and learn from it. Ask yourself the whole way through what's working, what's not working and what can improve because that's going to make your next deal and every deal after that so much more successful. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Very cool. All right, let's move on. All right, let's get to our world famous. Famous four. All right, these are the same four questions we ask every guest every week, and I love to hear what people say. So number one, what is your favorite real estate-related book? Oh, I just read one. It's Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 1 by Joe Fairless. Nice. I think I'm in that. Aren't I in that? I think I'm in that. I think I'm in that. I yeah, do a check, but go. I haven't read there it, but I think I'm in you know, self Self-promotion. There you self-promotion. go. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I really love about that book is it's not just Joe's insight, right? He's gathered the collective um, knowledge or awesomeness of so many different investors. And you get to see so many different perspectives, whether you want to be a flipper or whether or not you want to buy rental properties, whatever. You know, there's success stories in there and there's learnings and takeaways from every single one of them. So I think that book is just so rich in content. Love it. Cool. Nice. And I actually don't nice. know if I'm in there, but I know I talked to Joe once about <laughs> doing it. So I don't know if I ever got <laughs> in there. You want to know, you have to. I know. I got to go read it now. There okay. There you go. All right. Favorite business book? I'm going to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, a lot of people associate that with real estate, but actually I classify it more as a business book because it, you know, really deals with your perspective on money and financial education. And, uh, you know, yes, there's a lot of uh, real estate emphasis in it, but, you know, I think so many of us love that book and have been inspired by that book, um, whether you be a real estate investor or just an entrepreneur in general. Right on, man. What about hobbies? What do you do for fun? Oh, I like to travel. I like to ski and camp, you know, spend time with my family. We, we go to the theater sometimes. I have a five-year-old daughter, so, you know, this is, it's just a great, great time. And, you know, nice. I love spending time with her and, and, and my wife. Cool. Awesome. awesome. All right. Number four, my last question of the day. Mark, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or never get started? I said it earlier. I said it earlier. I said it too soon. <laughs> we never stop learning. Yeah. Learning leads to action, and action leads to success. I mean, so think about this. Oh, so, you said those exact words earlier. It's <laughs> like you have it memorized. Yeah, I did. I say it a lot, you know, and, you know, think about it. I mean, a lot of us, you know, are afraid to get started in real estate. We're afraid of losing money or you know, whatever, you know, and, and that's, I think oftentimes because we don't, we don't understand the concepts, you know, the more you learn, the more comfortable you're going to become with the, the, the strategies and the concepts. And it's the learning that's going to enable you to actually take action, you know, to feel comfortable enough to take action. And you know what, you're not, you're never going to see success if you just sit back and you never take action. So the other thing that I'd really challenge people to think about is if you adopt this mentality, you're never going to lose. I, I never lose, right? I never lose because I either win or I learn. Yeah. yeah. And and if you if you if you think that way and and you take action, you know, you'll find success. Awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Before we let you go, how can people find out more about you? Where you know, I I know you've got a website you want to share and some other stuff. So why don't you uh, spread the word? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm on bigger pockets. I don't have a whole lot of colleagues. I want some more. So uh, find me there. <laughs> awesome. And we'll link to you in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 202. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, the other thing is, is you can find me on my website at www.luxmana.com. That's L-U-X-M-A-N-A. And if you go to uh, forward slash bigger pockets, I'd love to make a free gift available to everyone for just listening you know, as a way of saying thank you. I've written a paper about multifamily investing. It's called uh, 10 Not-So-Obvious Ways to Boost Your Multifamily Property NOI. And there's some secrets that I reveal in this paper, things that I learned along the way. (laughs) Might jumpstart your your journey into multifamily if that's what you aspire to do. I'm going to go look right now because I want to, uh, well, as soon as you put it up anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> cool. <laughs> I want to know. So that was that yeah. slash bigger pockets, right? Lux. Yeah. What was that? Say Luxamana. Luxamana.com forward slash bigger pockets. All right. Cool. Good deal. Thank you. Awesome, Mark. man. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Lots of luck going forward. And, you know, we, we do hope to hear from you and your future successes as you have them. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. And guys, thanks for what you do. You know, the, the community that you've created is fantastic and uh, it's second to none and you're helping a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. What were you going to say, Brandon? I, I was going to say never... thank you, Josh, because, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Today is the Thanksgiving episode, right? So ah, this is, you, uh, you know, thank you, Josh, for creating bigger Something pockets. Something to be thankful for, bigger yeah, pockets. I am thankful for bigger uh, pockets. You guys are awesome. You, you guys are awesome. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, Mark. You too, guys. Thanks. All right, guys, that was Mark Walker. Big thanks to Mark for coming on the show. Yeah, that guy's doing some cool stuff. I, I love I love how he did his last deal, the the big multifamily. I love I love, I love hearing about you know his his method of financing. I I, I just love how he's kind of scaled the business and yeah. you know found his path, his goal, which was to get out of his job. I I believe he didn't implicitly say that, but it pretty much sounds that way. Yeah, to get out of the job and and you know now he's got this great life that he's leading thanks to real estate, and it's it's so cool. Yeah, I, I just like I like that it's one that he's very good at explaining things. So it was kind of nice having him explain things step by step. You know, defining some terms that are a little bit more complicated, but also just like how like simple. I don't want to say easy, but simple. He makes the whole process. Like you buy yeah. properties that cash flow, and you make enough money to quit your job, and then you buy bigger properties. And like it was just so like like that's what I want to do with my the rest of my entire life. Like I love that I like just that process. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great, and I, I think you nailed it. I mean, he just. You really simplified it, made it made it nice yeah. and easy. You made it easier. My phone is blown up. Sorry for all this stuff, guys. You're a big um, deal, you know. It's okay. Yeah, things are happening. <laughs> things are happening. Anyway, big thanks to Mark again for coming on the show. Really do appreciate that. And uh, otherwise, guys, hopefully you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to you, to all the listeners. We we really really do appreciate you guys. It means an awful lot to us that you guys are willing to put up with Brandon. I know it's hard. <laughs> it is a and tough. It is a tough thing to be in my presence. You know, it's. A, it is. It you know, is. Grates on people's nerves. I don't know. Whatever. You. Yeah, you're a little grating. <laughs> you're a little grating. But so I, I thank you for listening to the show and putting up with with Brandon and 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 me. I'm difficult too. Well, it's not uh, so bad because you, we don't. They don't see your face most of the time, so it doesn't hurt them quite as much. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that well, would be it's really hard bad. when when you look exactly like the sexiest man on earth. <laughs> the Rock. Um, Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, um, last year's Sexiest Man on Earth, Adam well, Levine. You know, oh. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This year yeah. it's The Rock. I thought you were telling me you look like The Rock. I didn't you know. even know that it was The Rock. Yeah, he got voted Sexiest Man hey, on Earth. Hey, good you know? for Dwayne. So That's I, awesome. look, I look a lot like Dwayne, you know? Like me and him are like, he's my doppelganger. Right. Is that the word? Doppelganger? That is the word, but yeah, that is mine. incorrect. No, we look identical. Exactly. Like, look right here. Look at this face. Okay, clearly there's something <laughs> wrong with your brain. I mean, I've known that for a while. <laughs> We look identical. But, we look practically the right, same. Right. Anyway, point being, you guys, thank you very much for listening to the show. We really do appreciate it. We do ask, obviously, what like we like to ask that you please subscribe to the show if, if yeah. you're just listening for the first time or the fifth time, but definitely subscribe to us. Best way to do that is probably on iTunes. Stitcher SoundCloud's also great, but definitely subscribe. Leave us a rating and review if you could. That really helps us out. Yeah. Uh, we do appreciate those an awful lot. And otherwise, please take some time if you have not yet already and jump on bigger pockets. If you haven't created an account yet, I mean, we have 600,000 plus, I don't know the exact number, but it's 600,000 plus members on the site. I mean, there are so many amazing people like Mark who are on bigger pockets, connecting, networking, helping one another out, helping one another to be successful. So if you're a newbie, jump on, create an account, introduce yourself. If you're an experienced investor, jump on the account, create an account, and go help some other people out. Yeah. Because the beauty of bigger pockets is as you do that, as you give, you actually see in return, you know, a built better network, possible opportunities, things like that. So I definitely encourage you to do that. That's really it. Thank you so much, guys. We really do appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next week. So with that, I'm Josh Dorkin signing off. Oh, me too. I'm Brandon Turner signing off. <laughs> the Rock. I'm, I was going to, yeah, was Brandon The Rock Turner signing off. Nice. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio. 
Hey guys, this is Brandon. You just got finished listening to episode 202 and Josh does not know that I'm recording this, but you know, at the beginning of the show, I actually mentioned how, you know, most of what I have today, like the real estate success that I've had is largely due to bigger pockets. And I'm very, very thankful for bigger pockets. So what I wanted you guys to do actually just real quick behind Josh's back is if your if your life has been changed in any way from bigger pockets, if you want to thank bigger pockets, do me a favor, jump on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, and, uh, just shoot Josh, which is at J.R. Dorkin on Twitter, or go to the Bigger Pockets Facebook page, facebook.com slash biggerpockets, and just let Josh know uh, that Bigger Pockets has been instrumental in your life. Uh, I just thought it'd be kind of a cool Thanksgiving uh, weekend gift uh, or surprise for Josh. So, anyway, you guys keep it real. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.